0: Hey everyone, welcome to our chat, season one, episode three, Love and Marriage. Okay, well, everyone, we're back for our third podcast. And today we're gonna be speaking about marriage. And we have Pastor Wayne and Lori here with us, and Robert's here as well. And we're just gonna be talking about you know what God's plan is for marriage, and we thought um, who best to bring in but Lori? <laughs>
1: She is the expert. She tells me that
0: anyway. not true (laughs) on this. So, you know, I've been reading just some stats about marriage, and I found that, um, well, according to Stats Canada, they say that there is about 40% of marriages end in divorce, and the rate of cohabitation has been increasing over the years. So um, what I really wanted to sort of get out, and what I think would be good to share with everybody is... Um, From a pastoral perspective, and from parents as well as you know, as parents, like, what do you believe God's plan for marriage is?
1: Yeah, you know, and and great to be together again, and talking about this is a really kind of an important issue. Um, One of the things I find about this issue is that sometimes it's hard to uh, talk about it because instantly you narrow your audience now because there's a number of people saying, well, I'm not married, so turn it off. Um, Others are going, well, I'll never be married or, uh, you know, whatever the situation might be. So you tend to feel that this is a, uh, the audience can just begin to eliminate the conversation fairly early. Uh, So yeah, this marriage is probably a hot button. And I think go back, we talked a little while ago regarding the study in Genesis, go back to God's original plan. Uh, beginning of Genesis, where he created Adam, he created Eve, and he brought them together. And then he gave directives for them, and they were to be united together, and it was a lifetime unity that he brought together. And So together they complete each other apart. They can do great things, but there's something about the completion of the two coming together as one. and So uh, God always set that as a design. Uh, sin changed the trajectory of all of that, but, um, yeah, that was God's, that we were made, the body was made, our soul, spirit were made to be united in a relationship. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, that's, uh, kind of the beginnings.
0: Right. So if we were to go back to, um, Genesis. I guess there was no, you know, God. God. I God's original plan didn't include like it included marriage right away. So how do you see that process? Because I mean, like in our current days, you don't just have a man and woman formed and they <laughs> unite. So what do you see that process is for one to get to marriage?
1: To get to marriage, um, so uh, I really think the process of getting to marriage is. Uh, like, I'm not sure if this is the question, but uh, with regard to, there's an awakening, obviously. Uh, it's not just about procreation, and so we need to get together and procreate. Uh, we are very different than geese and cattle of the field, uh, where we talk about mating. Uh, because we, are components of body, soul, and spirit. Mm-hmm. And animals do not have the components of body, soul, and spirit. Uh, the definition of their body is mating, procreating, they're able to reproduce. And some of them do it for life. They they remain faithful for life. Uh, in our situation as humans, God made us in his likeness. And in his likeness, the completeness of God is not so much a he-she as much as that he has brought the ability for two of them to... Uh, to allow there to be a fullness and a maturity that one couldn't do so. um, So yeah, I think that as far as talking to children, and maybe I can throw this over to Lori, uh, talking to children, I think talking about children, when you begin to talk about husbands and wives and and getting married, I think it's something from the earliest of their, like when they're young, just begin to naturally talk about uh, mom and dad, husband and wife. Uh, and the strength that that brings to each other. Uh, what do you think, Laura?
0: I
2: I do. I I believe in that strength and that when the when it's modeled well, that the kids pick up on that. The kids um, see how that's modeled because when it isn't modeled, uh, we see the dysfunction as these kids get older and you know the there's the times where they go wow, I've got no example of what. A, what a dad is! I've never had one, or, or you know, I don't know how to be a, a good mom because either my mom left when I was young, or she passed away, or whatever. And so you see them grappling. So when you're in that healthy situation, and we've had kids, uh, whether it be during our time of ministry, whether they've, whether we were youth pastors or whatever, and they would come into our home and they would see how we would interact, and you would get comments like. Wow, I wish my home was like that mm-hmm. And it was it, it would break your heart. but you saw that there was there was a need in those kids for that type of a stability in, in a
0: relationship mm-hmm. Can you talk a bit about what your view on cohabitation before marriage is and do you think that that affects the plan? We know that statistically, we find that marriages where they where a man and a woman sort of lived together before, they're probably twice as likely to end up in divorce. Um, I don't know if that's a fact, but I do think that there's a higher rate in those cases. So what do you think about about that? And how can we guard, I guess, our friends for people who might be listening to this or our children against that, going down that path?
1: Yeah, um, that's a big challenge we have right now because that is our culture Mm -hmm. now. We live in a culture that propagates it. And if we are prone to be watching our culture and we are deeply influenced by our culture, such as media, uh, they make marriage look like, well, you're you're in chains for life. You know, it's bondage and why would you do that? Don't do it unless you have to. Don't do it unless, you know, your life is kind of at the end and then if you have no other choice, get married. And so that's, that's, again, um, quite unfortunate. You know, I think there's a couple major reasons that are driving this. One, I think the major one is we're a very uh, sexually driven society. And uh, maybe just not within our society, many societies. But um, uh, there is an overload, a plethora of uh, indulgence to satisfy or to try to satisfy our appetites. So, you know, the idea, in the Bible even talks about, you know, Solomon talks about, don't let the appetites of the child be inflamed too early, you know. So in other words, protect them from things. Don't, don't expose things to their eyes. Don't expose them to things that will inflame their imagination ahead of time because they're, if you would their brains haven't caught up to it yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're not mature enough. And so um, with now, of course, with uh, exposure of media, internet, uh, that is being exposed images are being exposed we are being exposed so early that it's inflaming children and children are children uh, God gave us with the the blessing of when we were born for for sexual pleasure and he meant it within the confines of a marriage but you but it can also be pleasure outside of marriage and so that's the inflaming and so I think the biggest thing is we are we, the times are that there is such um, an inflammation of sexual pleasure, eros sexual pleasure, that um, uh, there's, a, there's this desire to get together, desire for teenagers. It's almost, uh, you know, something's wrong with you if you're not sexually active, if you're whatever, in your teenage years. And our, with, behind that is the idea of recreational sex. And recreational sex is you do it for fun. You're not serious. You don't want to get married. For pretty sakes, don't no, don't get married. But, no, let's have fun. But there's the, what's the problem is, is we have uh, separated our body from our soul and spirit. We don't recognize that when we unite together, God made it in in us after his likeness. When we unite together, we actually bond sexually. And we bond uh, mentally, emotionally. We bond spiritually. We bond in the deepest course is through our sexual relationship with each other. And so when we have casual sex, recreational sex, sex for the fun of it, um, and then people begin to define it, well, it wasn't really sex, and they begin to break it down. But whenever we've inflamed ourselves, connected ourselves with that particular person, you know, you always go back to seek the places where you had pleasure. And so our soul will seek that place again. And and the idea that it doesn't really do any harm, uh, you can do this and not really have any harm, it's just not true and I think a great analogy to this is is the statistics prove it it's just like having um, you know scotch tape and you you stick it the first time and and it sticks pretty good but if you keep ripping off and sticking it again and keep ripping it off and sticking it again it sticks less and less and when we engage in that type of relationship and stick and unstick and stick and unstick feeling that it really doesn't matter uh it's just not true, it's not proven true. We can, with sh- the statistics, are showing us that. Uh, there is something that is just evident there that uh, God made us to be designed to be one person for life. That's his design now. At the same time, I'll throw in there that um, when it doesn't happen that way, either through death or through maybe an unfaithfulness in marriage, and the marriage breaks up and there's divorce, that right in scripture, both Old and New Testament, God made provision that here's what you need to do, you know, for our protection, here's the next step. And so, um, yeah, God, God took marriage so seriously, and by not taking that part of it seriously, we've really reduced it to a, um, a carnal impulse of, you uh, know, getting together and having a drink with somebody, we'll get together and have sex, get together, we'll just, we'll just hook up, we'll just whatever. Um, it's very unfortunate because now the ability to be able to really bond has been diminished. Uh now I'm interested to hear maybe Robert's thoughts on because (laughs) hey you got two teenage sons Robert Uh, you're dealing with all the kind of stimulations that are going on in the world around your boys I mean how do you keep your boys focused on one day getting married
3: you just dropped that one on me real quick but um, (laughs) I think the, the what I'm trying to I guess what we're trying to impart on them is that, um, God has your wife out there for you and has selected a specific person for you. Um, and you want that person to be taken care of. Like we always say that we want you to treat every girl how you would want your future wife to be treated. Um, so that's one of the things that we try to kind of make sure that, you know, um, that they're treating everybody, the same and how they would want their future wife to be treated also we want you know we try to make sure that they you know not focus on you know on the sex and all because it's all all around right so we have open discussions with them you know something is in media that we know about and we catch like and we know that they're seeing or they've seen it or whatever we have a discussion with them how does that make you feel what do you think about that and try to let them know the importance of trying to keep themselves you know, for that time and the importance of like, you know, if you're with somebody um, sexually, you're leaving a part of yourself with that person. Um, and the more you do that is the less you have to give to your future spouse, right? So um, that's something that we, um, we've we tried to impart on them as they, you know, they get older and they're being bombarded all over with the, the different things in media. Um, the one thing I, I use, you always tell them is that, you know, God made man, he gave him a job, he gave him a wife, and then he gave him kids, right? So that is the particular order that God designed it, um, and that's what we try to, you know, try to make sure that they follow that order so that, you know, if they follow that order that it was designed, they would have a better, you know, the, the outcome of their marriage would be better. So and I, and, and That's a really good
1: point you just made, because uh, sometimes I find in marriages that... Some marriages are testy because maybe one of the marriage partners have put maybe the kids ahead of the marriage. Uh, and some, usually it's usually it's the mother, the wife, who maybe has you know always with the kids and the husband just feels neglected and left out. And that's a good point because uh, it isn't it true that God did marriage first then the children. And so if you do have an order and I think there is an order, that, yeah, we nurture our kids, we love our children, we do anything for them, but let's remember we married our spouse. Mm-hmm. We made the choice to our spouse. The children were the byproduct of that. Yeah. And so it's not you choose one over the other, but do not neglect your spouse because that is the choice, that is the one you give your foremost love. And I would think, and I and I'd even think that you guys have even said this, that um, kids are never more secure when they know mom and dad really, really love each other. Yeah. yeah. And even though the kids will Will strive to try to maybe get one of the parents' love towards them, mm-hmm. but there's something just very powerful when they know mom and dad say, Nope, no, nope, I'm good. My here's my priority, yeah. It's and we make sure our spouse is our priority, yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. I remember when uh, our boys were younger, our friends and family used to laugh at us because we would like get them into bed like right at seven o'clock, there was no sleeping in the same bed with us, it was like, Nope, because <laughs> at the end of the day, it's like. We still needed time to be Robert and Trish, not mom and dad, right? And so we were very particular about putting that restriction in it. But I think that leads us to a good point. So pursuing togetherness in marriage. So what are some pointers that you can give to us on how we can pursue togetherness in marriage? Lori.
2: One of the things that we did, um, and Wayne was very proactive. Um, I was probably a nurturer and would have been very focused on the kids, but... Um, he prioritized our relationship, which he led me in that mm-hmm. and I uh, didn't fight him on it. Um, and we had what we called 24 hours for us and then we had so much fun. We did 48 hours for us, <laughs> but what we would do is we would take our kids either to, um, their grandparents or we would have a sitter come that would stay at the house with the kids and we would go away for 48 hours mm-hmm. and, and when they were little. And that, sometimes that was hard because they were very little and mm-hmm. uh, people would say, how can you leave your kids? Well, we needed to. We yeah. needed to have that together time because if I was home, I was focused on the kids. Yeah. Um, another thing, uh, and, and we would go for an overnight, so that 48 Correct. or 24 hours or 48. And another thing that we did as a family, um, when our kids were little, so laundry had to be done, groceries had to be done. Uh, cooking had to be done. You know, there was always I always had my to do list, and Wayne would come home from the office and he'd say, "Okay, uh, grab anything that's day old or ready for the you know the uh, blue bin or the green bin," and then we would go to a park and we would feed ducks. And the kids, they look forward to that. <laughs> so there was times of what we did together as a couple, but there was things that we did together as a family. And it wasn't that just dad took the kids and so the kids bonded with the dad. It was, we did it as a unit. And so those were, I think those were significant times for our family.
1: Yeah. And I'm gonna throw the question back to you guys. And I imagine your answer's gonna, it's gonna be around food somehow. <laughs>
0: Um, Oh, how do we pursue together? I think we're very, um, again, like we've always made it a priority. But, you know, we we do date nights and it's like it's a must, even if it's just us sitting at home on our computers. The fact that we're together. <laughs> each, with <laughs> each with our own computer, and you're
1: just earphones <laughs> on. And I got a picture. We're
0: we're right next to each other and <laughs> yeah, doing right. stuff. But I think you know, again, I just think whatever it is that you do, it's just having that intentional focus on your spouse. And I'm really, you know, it's really nice to know that. Um, Pastor Wayne, that you led your family in that because I think often it's seen on maybe the wife to like plan these things or the man, the husband might feel intimidated to step in there and say, no, we're going to go away. We're going to do this. Um, so I think, I feel like that's also really evident of spiritual leadership over your home too. in knowing mm-hmm. that this is something that you need in order to foster that, um, togetherness. And
1: I, think, I think it's important that, um, we talked about this, and I really came to, I think we just talked about, we stumbled into it. And then later on, I as I began to read more about marriages, that oftentimes we have visions and plans and mission statements for our life. So you know, for instance, mm-hmm. you know you're working whatever your job is, if you are in a business and you want to get to a certain place, you have certain plans to get there, you have intentional points to get there. I think in marriages, we need to have that as well. Mm-hmm. We need to talk about where do we want to go. Yeah. Just don't let it happen. If you just let it happen, then it's going to swish and swash back and forth like a river out of control. (laughs) But you've got a plan to go from here to there. And it will go from here to there sideways most of the time. But at least you still know where you're going, right? right? You're still focused on the there. You're not losing sight of because a tragedy took place, a a child took sick, or uh, a situation health-wise, or a job loss. Or a financial reversal or whatever it might be and then all of a sudden you find yourself going in a different direction but you can always if you know where the there is you can turn your head and keep your eyes on the there so um, you know you've got goals in life Mm -hmm. to here's what we want to be as a family we want to grow as a family we want to have you know maybe it's in the house maybe it's in uh, the kind of um, the kind of lifestyle we Mm -hmm. want to have or where we want to be maybe even as a ministry in the family so Mm -hmm. If you were involved in volunteering, where you would hope and pray your children and their giftings and speaking into your kids' giftings. So for instance, I know you guys, you uh, giftings whether in sport, giftings, mm-hmm. whether in music with your children, to just nurture that and you stimulate those giftings, not just live for themselves, but live also for for kingdom business too. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I th- I think marriage is when they have a goal outside of just getting getting by day by day Yeah. or even outside of having how many kids you're going to have but you have some goals in marriage and you have some measuring marks mm-hmm. uh, it gives you a sense of purpose and you have to talk about it because mm-hmm. chances are you're not going to agree with the goals mm-hmm. uh, you've got to work them out and you know have that sweet spot where you say okay here's where we, I think we want to go then, then you are working together as a family mm-hmm. versus working against each other right. because it can very easily be where you look at each other husband or wife or even the children and you see them as the enemy mm-hmm. instead of if you have a goal and you're in this and you're kind of like a team and you're going to reach this goal together and yes there's been a problem but you're going to fight it together mm-hmm. it really brings you together versus pulls you apart
0: mm-hmm. yeah I um sorry Lori no I was just going to say you know that's that works for us because yeah. you
2: are a planner yeah. like you plan you plan um your ministry you plan you know even for your own life personally you plan for us but what happens in a family where it is the swish swash and you just go with the ebb and flow of what life throws at you mm-hmm. so you know i i have no idea what that's like because we've never experienced that we've always had a plan so
1: and one I advantage think, <laughs> it's, 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 i don't want to use maybe is that it's if you're a single parent you, you don't have to fight with the other baby if you do because if you've got child custody issues then you can right. fight on your hands and, and the goals are going in opposite directions but you can still function in that way yeah. even as a single person i really believe god's grace is upon single moms single dads who are raising their children and their children whether the other parent is around or out of their life yeah but you god gives you grace to be both mom and dad. You will primarily be whatever your gender is, but you will also secondarily have God's grace. If you're a mother, He will give you authority like a father. And there will be a blessing like a father upon it. And many times God will maybe bring a good brotherly image into their life. And that's good to pray for that. A good manly image, a good fatherly image. And it might be a grandparent. It might be an uncle. It might be somebody who is safe. Um, prayerfully spiritual that will be able to kind of give you that support so yeah you're really laying the 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 groundwork but they come in along behind you and really that's what marriage is i mean how many times our kids when they're in the home you know will go and ask you for something you know so one of your kids go and ask you hey can i go out and shoot hoops and their mother has said no but they're (laughs) going to dad to get a yes and so like typically wise parents are saying well if the yes is on the other side it has to precede my yes. you can't go back and say well he said yes now is it yes for you mm-hmm. and they'll play each other they're, they're experts at doing that uh but the key is is when they when they know there's when husbands mom and dad's husband's and wives are backing each other up there's tremendous security in yeah. the family it's when you can split that yeah that you now got everything is wide open yeah. and the game is on yeah uh and so that becomes really a as a single parent when you've got somebody who comes in alongside you and it can even be somebody from the church it can be a Sunday school teacher it can be uh, a worker at the church who just supports you in the decisions you're making and it's like that spouse coming alongside and saying i stand with them no we're not going to be divided on this
0: yeah mm-hmm. no that's good um and you know i think i find the goal is so important even if you're like a wishy-washy even if your initial instinct isn't to be a goal setter um, I feel like we do that in every aspect of our lives anyway, to some extent. So I do see that as being so important. When we were doing marriage counseling, um, our pastor at the time, he made us do a mission statement for our marriage. And so we go back to that all the time because we're like, okay, how are we doing on this mission statement? And we kind of tell most people, we're like, too that.
3: <laughs> what's the mission statement? And
0: it was to be a good example of a fun-loving Christian couple because you i mean like sometimes when we grew up we knew people who were still married but they weren't necessarily like living like living in the like sleeping in the same bed even right it would be like they're together in the same house but Mm -hmm. not necessarily together um Mm -hmm. and so we were like no like we need to show people that we need to make christian marriages attractive to the world (laughs) right that you know they could
3: they could do this too. You remember that in detail, didn't you, Robert? I remember. I pulled it on him earlier this year. (laughs) She quizzed me this year. She was like, do you remember what our mission statement was? And I slowly repeated it because I wanted to make sure I got it right, not because I (laughs) forgot. Um, And I got it right. And I think, you know, it's nice to go back to it every so often and just remember, you know, it's not that it, it, like, I don't think about it every day. But it's nice to go back to it like you know we have companies we work at companies and the company has a mission statement you know and it's just nice to go back to it and be like okay this is this is what's important to us right um and it helps us you know move forward yeah so. you know something
1: that just uh, was very touching to my heart there's a couple in our congregation not going to mention their name but they're uh, doing the renewal of their vows this week 50 years and i i i I tip my hat to that because that is so not just 50 years, but that you're going to do the renewal of the vows. It's so mm-hmm. like, you know, you did it the first time. You're not going to do it again, mm-hmm. but they're going to do it again. Here's the part that particularly got. So it was like, um, I've done this before. I've done renewal of vows a few times. And, uh, there was another one. I went back over the notes of another person, another couple that did the renewal of vows and they actually got rings for each other. Mm. So they exchanged rings. So when I talked to this couple, um, they said, oh, no, we, we, we haven't got any rings. And they felt bad. We haven't got any rings for each other. And I said, that's okay. And so I just thought about it. And I said, why don't we, we get to that part of the vow where normally there's that. You, you pledge your love and buy it with the rings. And normally you, you put it on their finger and then you look into their eye and you repeat after the minister. Normally how it goes. What they're going to do this week is they're going to put their hand on the hand of the other person where the ring is and they're going to recommit to those vows oh, 50 years later. Yeah. And, you know, even as I was thinking about it, I got all kind of choked up. <laughs> and and I sent it to them, and I said, do you want to do that? Do you want to just put your hands, and you're just going to, we're going to repeat thanking God for 50 years yeah. of being faithful to those vows, and that you will commit yourself until death do you part. And they got back, and they said, they were, they were in tears when they were reading it, too. They could hardly wait to do that. <laughs> and I was thinking, wow, what a tremendous tribute. Isn't it, though, to be able to, whatever, if it's, I mean, it could be, celebrate the five years, celebrate yeah. the 10 years, celebrate the 25, celebrate mm-hmm. the 50. But wherever it is, take the moment and you don't have to put your hand on the hand and on the rings. But there's something about when you when you when you put your hand on that ring and you gave that that many years ago, you had no idea of the water that would go under the bridge. Mm-hmm. But you look back and you did it. Right. It's a testimony of God's grace. You yeah. did it. And you might have been through hell to get there and back again, but you did it. You're here. You're doing it. And it really is worth it. When I looked at that couple, I was thinking, I just wish we could take this and put broadcast this to people who say it's not worth it. Before you hit the eject button too early, Mm -hmm. look at this and look at what's happening here. And there's something so deep, so meaningful that really we almost, you know, we in the balcony need to almost bow to it and Mm -hmm. say, that is amazing. This is God's grace in its fullness Mm -hmm. in a marriage relationship. And that's what he meant it to be. He meant it to really represent him. And when you look at something like that, how many years later, I think this is the greatest testimony. You want to share the power of Christ, take a look at that and see how God has been so key in taking them through whatever he's taken them through and brought them to that day.
0: Um, So you just said something really good that God meant marriage to represent him. So let's talk just for a few minutes about the spouse who is not a believer. So how can, um, you know, how can a couple work through that when one spouse isn't a believer?
1: Okay. Do you want to tackle this one, or do you want me?
2: Maybe you should. <laughs> <laughs> well, you have worked with more couples. One of the one of the churches that we did, um, pastor. One of the things that we saw. Now it took it took a number of years, but we saw many um, couples. Uh, united spiritually so when we went they were spiritually single so the the wife was coming to church Mm -hmm. and the husband wasn't Um, but when the husband came along and completed the the spiritual union um the we saw the marriages just go so deep
0: Mm -hmm.
2: i remember uh one couple went with us on on a missions trip he was not a christian she was and it was, you know, do we even do this? Mm. And he, she would get up. Uh, one, of the, one of the things that they had to do on, on this mission trip is they had to give their testimony. Now, Wayne didn't ask this young uh, man to give his testimony, but what he did was he went up and his wife shared her testimony, and he held her hand. Mm-hmm. And, like, you saw a support there. So I think she demonstrated in the home her walk with God very strongly. She didn't compromise her walk. This Mm -hmm. is who I am. I love God with all my heart. And he never wavered on that. He never tried to convince her otherwise. Mm -hmm. And I remember we came home from the missions trip. And we were to just encourage each other. And I sent her a little note. And I included his name in the note. And I I directed my comment to him. And I said, "Um, your wife never shone brighter. Then when you were beside her supporting her mm-hmm. in her faith with God. And I said, You two are are an amazing couple. And I and I have no idea if that was the comment or or, or that was the catalyst for what happened. But within a month, wow. that man gave his heart to the Lord. Wow. And this couple are on fire for God. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so when you see something like that, um, you don't discredit. The, the spiritually single, mm-hmm. but you foster a relationship that they will that they will come to union. And um, yeah. you, know, you want to comment?
1: No, on that? no, I think it's important that if um, you're spiritually single, be careful you don't don't be overtly trying to convert your spouse. Huh. I mean, the Bible even talks about that. Like, don't. And the Bible says, don't divorce them because they're not a follower. Um, because the aroma of Christ is flowing from you to them anyway. They are experiencing Christ if you allow Christ just to flow from you. And that's not because you're preaching to them. That's not by trying to drag them up to church and tell them everything they're doing wrong. It's by being a good Christian. It's by being faithful in your, your beliefs. And when that is happening, most unsafe spouses that I know are really glad their spouse is a Christian because they recognize that there's an exemplary living going on there it's when when they despise that person being a christian it's usually because that person is trying to actively convert them or jam christ down them or is judging them or stuff and so we have to be careful about that i think we want to win them yeah we want to win them by the love of christ and by demonstrating christ i want to throw this out though because this is really um it's a big one uh, I do put a strong caution to those who are entering into marriage because some people think, well, you know, they'll get saved later. Mm-hmm. And so you're dating somebody, and Robert, you mentioned this earlier. I think it's really important. When when we begin to look at somebody that we're going to go out with, um, maybe not the first time you go out with them, but the second time anyway, mm-hmm. they need to be a potential person that you would marry. Uh, and because sometimes we're going over people and say, oh, I've never married them, but we're just having mm-hmm. fun. Be careful with that because your heart, your heart is very deceitful. And you, your heart can lead you down a road that you never thought it was going to lead you. And so um, if you start to think seriously towards a person, that person needs to also be somebody that you would seriously marry. The Bible is very clear that it's important to make that decision. One of the most important decisions is your spiritual walk. <laughs> you may be able to agree and disagree on things until the children come soon as the children come, it gets messy mm-hmm. because your most loved thing in this world is your children. And now you can't agree on something. And now it gets messy. So before the children, you would agree to disagree. you go your own way. And But with children, it gets dicey. That's the pulling of our kids. So my, the caution is don't go there if you don't have to. Uh, if, if you find yourself there, if you come to Christ after you're married, that's a whole different story. But don't go into a relationship if that person is not a follower, an active follower of Jesus. And there's ways to test that, too. Because there are those who look like they're active followers. I've had this. I've had marriage counseling, people sitting across and saying, Oh, Pastor, you know, he came to church to me. He prayed. He did everything. We got married. He never showed back up at church again. Mm -hmm. There's ways to test that. And some, you know, they say love is blind and it can be blind. Mm -hmm. And so let some loving people around you help you push the buttons poke the bruises while you're going out that will determine whether or not that person's a true follower of christ or they're doing it in order to get you Mm -hmm. and once they got you then you know they don't really care Mm -hmm. Mm
0: -hmm. yeah no that's good um i think that also speaks to the um, importance of community right Mm -hmm. like you don't when we're even courting or dating someone that you're doing that in community around people that you trust To speak into those relationships, Mm -hmm. so yeah, well, that's good. So, um, we've talked a lot today. We've gone over our a lot of time as we thought we would. (laughs) I
1: said you bring our spouses in, just like it's gonna (laughs) blow it over the water. Uh,
0: But I guess I just wanted to sort of end with um, with you know, as Christians, like our call is to cultivate those Christ centered marriages. Um, and there was a term that I heard, and it's called a missional marriage. Like, that's what we focus on, where we turn our eyes to Jesus and step into the opportunity, opportunities that he provides for us together. So, I mean, that's our prayer for our marriage, and I think for all the marriages yeah. in our church family. Um, what, Yeah, it's, it's a lot of work. It's hard work, but it's it's, it's beautiful. Worth it. It's worth it, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. well... Thank you, Pastor Wayne and Lori and Roberts. are well, welcome. Our prayer is that you, everyone listening to this, will have the marriage that God has planned for you to have. Mm-hmm. Thank you for listening. Join us the next time as we talk about parenting.